0: What is up, y'all? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. Kicking it off with one I know that Pete is very excited about. Beta Bill Number 1 from Marvel Comics. Written and art by Daniel Warren Johnson. Now, DWJ, as I like to call him, he is the creator of Murder Falcon, which is one of your favorite Mm -hmm. books ever, Yeah, I don't know how you feel about Beta Ray Bill, though. So how'd you feel about this book?
1: Well, yeah, I'm not uh, the hugest Beta Ray Bill fan, but this was a lot of fun. This was really awesome. Art style gave Beta Ray Bill a a grittiness that, uh, you know, was nice. I, yeah, I very much enjoyed this. This was sad. This was not like, you know, just badass Beta Ray Bill. You okay? Did you die there for a second? Yeah, there's uh, there's some real pain going on, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Also, yeah. Fing Fang Foom, one of my uh, huge favorites in this as well. So, like, uh, this was a real this was a real treat. This book and the back matter is is magical. The this very
0: briefly and tangentially ties into the King in Black storyline, which has symbiotes attacking the Marvel Universe. Here they attack Asgard. Beta Ray Bill fights them off, kind of, and sparks up, or re-sparks up, a little bit of a romance with Lady Sif. But I agree with you. As he did in Murder, Falcon, he brings big action with big monsters, but also a deep well of emotion here. It's very sad for Beta Ray Bill. Art is great. The writing is great. The emotion is great. I'm all in on this book. I am a sucker for Beta Ray Bill, and I think DWJ... Does right by him, so I'm very excited to see this going forward. And like you said, there's a great interview that he does with Walter Simonson in the back of the book, which is super cool as well.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see him kind of geek out about this and kind of hear about like uh, New York in the 70s and like the different kind of people working on stuff. It was pretty awesome interview that they put in the back, and uh, yeah, I mean. The art, the storytelling is really unbelievable, but, like, Beta Ray Bill, kind of a cursed character, and, like, they're really tugging on that and playing with that, and, like, he's not cool with Thor. It's mm-hmm. not, like, a uh, fun relationship right now, so I'm glad they're kind of, like, getting the air of that out a little bit. I'm very interested to see how that kind of all unfolds. I agree. Next up,
0: Shadecraft number one from Image Comics, written by Joe Henderson, art by Lee Garbett. In this new comic book, a girl finds out that shadows aren't quite what they are cracked up to be. It ties into an emotional thing from her past that you find out towards the end of the issue. Uh, I really like the setup. I thought this was a good, fun horror book. The art from the Garbit was particularly good. The shadow creatures were interesting. I'm curious to see where this goes going forward, because it feels like it really gets the setup by the end. Um, But I'm in. What was your take, Pete?
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think the the art and the storytelling is fantastic. You know, kind of setting this up in a, a very interesting way. I really love the last page reveal, kind of twist, very cool. And yeah, as this kid, I was scared shitless. Of, uh, you know, if you saw like a a shadow move by, you know, or like a branch at the at the window or something like this really kind of plays on that fear of like moving shadows and how it's hard, especially at night to get away from shadows. I mean, that's just that's tough. I got to be honest, Pete. It sounds like that
0: wasn't just a problem when you were a kid.
1: I don't I don't think we have time to get into this, but uh, no, Pete, That's a it's that's, a great book. That's
0: been the long game on this podcast this whole time, <laughs> is to finally get you to confront this fear that you have. Shakecraft yeah. number one, check it out. Next up, The Other History of the DC Universe, number three from DC Comics, written oh, by John Ridley, man. art by Giuseppe Coley. The first two issues have dealt with the Black American experience in the background of the DC Universe. Here, we're dealing with the Asian American experience through the lens of Katana
1: and her whole history. Um, what would you think about this one, Pete? this is very powerful really amazing um i i i was very moved by it i thought it was really done well the storytelling is so powerful the art uh yeah just kind of the the balance of kind of these like stanzas these powerful stanzas that really hit you versus the comic book art uh really creates this uh moving kind of powerful stuff that uh, DC is doing with these books. I've been really enjoying this series. The other history of the DC universe stuff has just been uh, really impressive.
0: Giuseppe Comincoli's layouts in particular are really excellent. Uh, John Riley's writing is great. It's super Unfortunately, timely, given that we are discussing the Asian-American experience and uh, violence towards it in particular right now. Um, But it's a it's a necessary. Stop Asian hate. Yeah, uh, it's a necessary read like the other two issues of this book, but also very entertaining and weird in a certain way. Just. I don't know much about Katana's history necessarily. There are little bits here and there that I was like, oh yeah, I, I guess I do that kind of thing. But what John really is doing here is like with, uh, X-Men grand design, I think was the name of the book. He's taking the entire history of the character and trying to make narrative sense out of it, which is nearly impossible, but he does it yeah. here in a very emotional way. And that's nice to see.
1: Yeah. Katana is one of my uh, favorite characters. Uh, always, uh, a uh, Big fan of Katana So it was nice to see Like all the different stories Kind of paid homage to With this interesting Kind of narrative Running throughout all of it It was really well done uh, moving from one timely
0: book to another in a very different way, Silk number one from Marvel, written by Marine Gu, art by Takeshi Miyazawa. This is an all Asian team working on a Korean American superhero, which is something that I don't think we've seen before for Silk necessarily. I could be wrong. Nobody jump into my mentions if I got that incorrect. But at the very least, it's great to see that Silk is in a new status quo here working for J. Jonah Jameson at whatever his latest rag is. But uh, I thought this was really fun. I don't have too much affection necessarily for Silk as a character. I'm fine with her. She's been fun before. There's been some good storylines. But I thought this was a really nice, very clear setup with a good supporting cast. And I'm interested to see where it goes in issue two.
1: I completely agree. I I feel like uh this is a great use of Silk the character. Uh I feel like they really do a great job of giving her like a, a a lot of fun action like splash pages um as well as like setting up a very cool interesting story arc. Uh so yeah, and the fashion stuff is fun and pulled off well and uh you know, what's not to like about sitting down to have tea with a giant cat-like creature. I I think this is a very interesting, cool book, and I'm excited to see where it goes.
0: Next up, crossover number five from Image Comics, written by Donnie Cates, art by Jeff Shaw. In this book, we're getting towards the end of the first arc here as Madman and Power... House, I don't remember the name of the other team. Basically, it's Tony Cates taking all of his books, mashing them up together with tangentially other books. They're all heading towards this big dome where the crossover event has happened. And it's all coming down. What do you think about
1: this issue? Well, first off, you got Madman. Bless you. You got Madman with a, a giant sword. So what's not to love? This is a this sword. Is- it's uh it's a lot of action it's a lot of over the top stuff but also a lot of intense shit goes on here the oh man, I don't want to spoil anything but man it gets it gets real dark um but I want to hear l- it uh spoiler warning what was the thing that you thought in particular got really dark uh where the guy shot the girl oh that hasn't
0: happened yet that's the cliffhanger at the end of the book he hasn't necessarily shot her.
1: Well, you he he's crying. It says I can and it looks like it's seconds before the bullet is released out of the chamber. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens next issue, I guess. Oh right? my god. I guess we'll see what happens.
0: Uh one thing that I really that I thought was super fun in the book is Donnie has come up with this concept where all of these different superheroes have been cut apart and mashed back together by scientists on Earth, quote unquote. And they're called Amalgams, which is very funny to anybody who yeah. knows about the Amalgam universe. Um, he's having just a blast here, and it's so creative and so fun. There's a great splash page laid out that mashes up panels from God Country and Madman comics. Very neat. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, next up, Strange Adventures, number nine from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Mitch Gerards and Evan Shaner. Here, a report has come out about Adam Strange from the Justice League, not exactly indicating that he is a villain, but certainly not precluding that fact. That's what we're dealing with here as the picked invasion of Earth continues. And lots of questions swirl in the background. Um, I'll tell you what, I think we talked about this with an earlier issue. It's interesting this is coming out now, but it seemed very clear to me that at least tangentially
1: King is writing about the Mueller report in this issue. Did you get that sense as well? I have no idea what's going on when it comes to King ever. But um, it was crazy to see Superman and Batman in this issue. (laughs) So... This report comes out, and it's
0: the vague sort of indictment that Mueller did in the heavily anticipated Mueller report, where there were a lot of crimes mentioned, but ultimately they said, well, it's up to the people who prosecute to do it, right? And that's exactly what happens with Adam Strange here. It's very interesting, particularly given now we're past the Trump presidency, though obviously not the after effects of it, to see – him take Adam Strange and put him in that place to the point there's a panel late in the issue where they zoom in on Adam Strange's face on a TV screen and it looks almost exactly like Trump on the television. So that was kind of fascinating to me. I mean, I think it's sort of part of the tr- uh, the publishing schedule that has gotten pushed back so far, but I am curious to see where this hits on, given that it is skirting those ideas. You're looking at me like I'm a crazy person right now.
1: I am looking at you like a crazy person, because we're on issue number nine of 12, and we still don't know what the fuck's going on. Well, Nine issues deep. I mean, that's how a mystery works, Pete. Yeah, but, like,
0: let's talk about that. Unless it's Columbo, in which case they reveal it first, and then he figures out how it happens.
1: Okay, but regardless, like... Just think about how great of a writer you have to be that for nine issues of a story, you have no fucking idea what's going on. That is very impressive. Well, I just got uh, one more question for you, Pete. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Next
0: up, Avengers Curse of the Man-Thing number one from Marvel, written by Steve Orlando, art by Francesco Mabili. this, we are getting a new threat to Man-Thing, who, spoiler, beats Man-Thing right at the beginning, and the Avengers have to take him down. This is one of these new formats, limited series that Marvel has been doing where a new hero is going to interact with Man-Thing or the story in a different way. Here we get the Avengers. Next issue is going to be Spider-Man, presumably the X-Men after that, and other things. But this is also Steve Orlando moving over to the Marvel Universe. What was your take, Pete?
1: Well, Orlando is uh, always a fun, uh, crazy, creative person, so like This book, I thought, did a great job of representing himself here. Like the kind of man thing getting ripped apart here was so over the top and like very interesting, Uh, especially because you kind of realize like these chapter things are like parts of his skin that maybe was ripped off. Um, But I think this is a very interesting, unique, kind of cool event that's happening, and uh, I'm kind of digging it. I like it too.
0: I thought it was super fun. And it's Orlando doing his regular weird ideas, but infusing them into the Marvel Universe. He brings in some fun stuff from Jonathan Hickman's run on X-Men and mixes it in here in a fun way. Uh, this is good. I, I like this. I and he's, he seems to be redefining what Man-Thing is in the Marvel universe, so that should be interesting to see going forward. Next up, the Department of Truth, number seven from Image Comics oh, written by James man. Tyler the Fourth, art by Tyler Boss in this. did we should issue,
1: even talk about this because Justin's not here. You know what I mean? Yeah, Maybe Justin, just... Justin does love this book. So Maybe we're getting another flashback
0: it. this issue as Lee Harvey Oswald continues to find out more about the Department of Truth. Here we find out about the foil guy, the Doc who wears foil on his head. We find out about the men in black and the little gray men and their play into the history, the secret history of America. As usual, great stuff in this book. I am loving it.
1: Pete, yeah, I agree. Took off I your think headphones.
0: That, what is going on right now?
1: No, I, hey man, sometimes you wear headphones for too long uh, and start to kinda like feel like you're... you're Are you listening to me through your, your forehead? Head. What is going on here? Dude, it's... The podcast, take it easy, all right? I can hear you just fine. All right. <laughs> all right, so I I really am like, you know, this is such a like kind of thing we've heard about the Men in Black. We're familiar with this kind of tinfoil thing, but this is done in a way that makes sense. You know, like I really appreciate all the details and all the stuff going on in this book. Um, I think it's done in such a kind of way with the stylized, like flashbacks with the shading and the info. And I I think this is really a great mix of genres and telling the story. I have, uh, I'm continued to be impressed with this. It's too bad. Justin's not here to get his thoughts on it. I I'm having a blast and I might just start wearing a tinfoil hat. Hey, speaking of which,
0: this is uh this is more of a note for like Pete's forehead than his ears. And Pete's forehead, you're looking great. Don't tell his ears, okay? Because they're like <laughs> looking a little busted to be honest.
1: Oh, oh don't you say shit about my ears. Uh, you couldn't hear that? That was through your forehead, man.
0: All right, moving on to the Flash seven sixty eight from DC Comics, written by Jeremy Adams, art by Peter. Here we go. Peterson, <laughs> Marco Santucci Here and D What does that go. mean? Here we go. Here we go, the fucking flash. Well, so we've been talking about these books that have come out of D.C. Future State. A lot of the teams from Future State were giving previews of what's going on in their main books as they return. So I think it's been interesting to talk about them as they have come back. This one is weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're still talking about it. Flash in that tricky speed force, man. Oh, well, okay. So I what know you, you don't like Sometimes you the run Flash. so fast, you run out of your clothes. And then that's a whole thing, and Flash's got to deal with so it. So
0: here, here's the deal with this book. So the thing that confused me for the first half of this book is we had the setup of Barry Allen is giving up being the Flash so he could work with the new multiverse people and explore what's going on with there after the fallout from Dark Knight's Death Metal. Sure. All makes sense now. Wally West is the new Flash, he's been promoted. The first half of this book reverses on that in a very weird way. Where Wally says, Nope, actually, forget about that tease. I don't want to be the Flash, Barry Allen. You're the Flash. And Barry's like, Sounds good, let's have a race. I'll take all of your speed, so that's fine. And but very confusing given everything that's happened yes. previously. It isn't until the second half of the book that we get to the real concept. That's where things in my mind start to get really fun, where Wally West is lost in time. We basically get this Quantum Leap thing where he's jumping to major points in the Speed Force. He's inside of their bodies. And Barry Allen is the uh, Iggy. Is it Iggy from Quantum Leap, Pete? I don't know. Ziggy, Ziggy. The Ziggy, the uh, Dan Hidea who's like... Oh, man, you got to turn back, Wally. What are
1: you doing? Well, uh, like, if you yeah. change this, that'll change everything. Oh,
0: and then Wally God. says,
1: oh, boy. Uh, that show came out, like, in the 50s, I think, bro. <laughs> I don't know who, you're, I don't know a who a your know It's a great show
0: of. with a perfect <laughs> finale, and
1: you watch your mouth beat. <laughs> I'll have to take a time machine back. It's just insane to me that, like, these, uh, you know, All these fucking flashes, and there's the speed force, but nobody can figure it out, and it's so tricky, yet they're running the whole time, and, uh, you know, you got a fucking treadmill, but, like, I just,
0: uh, I, I don't know, man. I just, uh. I enjoyed the second half of the issue because I am a sucker for Quantum Leap, and I want to see more of that. Uh, So we'll see how it goes. Next up, Ghost Rider King in Black, number one from Marvel, written by Ed Bryson, art by Juan Frigiri. This is also a very weird, interesting issue because technically it's a King and black tie in, but really it's tying up everything that's been happening in ghost rider for the past couple of years and wrapping a bow on that. It's much more about that to the point that the ghost rider characters at certain points are standing in the middle of symbiote stricken Manhattan being like, eh, let's figure out this other stuff instead.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's like a crazy amount of standing around talking for all the demons that are, are uh, trashing the place. But still pretty fun, I thought. Yeah. what do you think about this one, Pete? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I mean, they're having fun discussions about their names. Uh, you know, Mephisto blows, but still some fun stuff in there with that. Uh, yeah, it was nice to see kind of Ghost Rider, you know, up in this uh, the the penance stare with the old damnation stare. So that was cool. Um, you know, fun little twist on, you know, trusting, not trusting the devil. So yeah, I mean, this is fun. It's a good book. You kind of know what you're going to get in it with it. And it's, uh, it's over the top in all the right ways.
0: Next up, Two Moons, number two from Image Comics, written by John Arcudi, art by Valerio Gian Giordano. This book we love the first issue of. Uh, I might be getting this wrong, but I believe it's basically taking indigenous myths and mixing them with the Civil War for a very horrific supernatural tale. How do you think the second issue held up to the first one?
1: It's really uh, tripped out in all the right ways. It's very kind of magical, spooky, cool. Uh, the Native American stuff is amazing. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's it's very, very well done. Some interesting storytelling stuff. Uh, yeah, and I really loved where it ended, too. This is a absolutely gorgeous book.
0: Absolutely yeah. gorgeous. I like the writing, but... Really, the art in particular and the designs of the—I don't even want to call them monsters. They're more mythical creatures—is stunning throughout. Um highly recommend picking this up. This feels one—this is one that, like, it feels a little bit like—I don't know. It's very vertigo to me, I think, and it's the sort of thing that I think would be good to jump in on— in the early issues to really get a sense of it uh, because it's that good. Next yeah. up, future state Superman versus imperious Lex number three from DC comics written by Mark Russell art by Steve Pugh, not Fu- Florence Pugh, ...like I initially thought. It's Steve Pugh. Uh, This is the very last, I believe, of the Future State books, probably coming in a little late here, but so fun and such a good story. Love Mark Russell. This is a future Superman, as you can tell from the title, battling Lex, who has taken over a planet. As usual, it's very satirical, as you'd expect from this team. If you read the first two issues, you know exactly what i expect here, but I loved it. Uh, This is one of my favorite Future State books. I'm so glad they got to finish it off, it was a little late. Pete, you're nodding your head. What's going on?
1: Well, I mean, this is just like, what if Lex Luthor was stuck in the Wally movie? It's a little kind of like, it's it's a little too crazy for me, but I appreciate what they're doing. It's so funny.
0: The characters are so funny. Lewis Lane is so funny. Lex is so funny. It's great. Like, he just sets up these Rube Goldberg machines of ridiculous satire and pays them off in such a fun way. I like it quite a bit. Uh, next up, Decorum number seven from Image Cox, written by Jonathan Hicken and art by Mike Huddleston. This is really bringing together everything that's been going on in the book in a big way. We've had these weird crystalline cr- creatures that showed up that seemed at first unconnected from the Assassin's Academy that was going on in the other side of the book. Last issue that finally came together were the crystalline creatures gave a mission to the assassins to find this egg that was being hidden, which I believe was like the third element that was just kind of thrown in there. Here, our main character stumbles on that egg, opens up the egg, finds a hot dude with no head. Very funny. Uh, this is great. I can't believe how well this has come together. And Mike Huddleston's art is stunning across the board. The way that he's bringing all of these different art styles together, often on the same page is ridiculously impressive.
1: I agree with you, Alex. It's worth it alone for the art. It's really unbelievable. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes you know, just uh, uh, a, a dude with half, your, you know, part of your face. But I, I think this is really tripped out, weird in all the right ways, and it's really kind of telling a very interesting story. Uh, but the the real hero here is the artist. It's uh, the pages and everything are just amazing balls. And in classic Pete fashion,
0: I'm going to bring up a book that we didn't throw into the stack because I didn't want to get into a fight about it. But X-Men number 19, also by Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> you, um, it is a masterwork. It is so good. It's you, one of the best issues of the series Ever, it's amazing. You get the X Men trapped in this vault, traveling through time. This incredible X twenty three Laura story throughout. So good. Read it. Don't pick. Just pick it up right now. Don't listen to whatever Pete has to say and move it on to our last book.
1: Wait, that's so unfair that you didn't even put it out there like it was something we Here's could read. Thing, Pete, you I just read that and kept I, here, it. To i got to be honest.
0: I'll be like, pull back the curtain here. I got to be honest. I read the book because I was like, eh, I want to read it anyway because I like the X-Men books. But I'm not going right. to send it out to Pete because Pete's just going to be like, fuck mm-hmm. X-Men. These, these mm-hmm. islands are having sex and stupid and what's going on. I don't like it. Yep. And I would just send it out. It would just be a big argument. So I was uh-huh. like, I won't send it out. But then I read it and I was like, this is legitimately one of the best issues the series ever. Would Pete but like this because it's about Laura x23 who he loves and i was like i don't know i gotta weigh that against pete just yelling
1: because it's x-men what do we do here why wouldn't you trust me to appreciate a good x23 trust you i've known you for 15 years oh my god you're the worst (laughs) you you didn't believe in it enough to put it out there for us to review you were like I yeah, you it. didn't believe in it. So I it's hard it. to take a recommendation if you didn't believe in something enough to send it to me and justice I'll just tell it.
0: you what, I will send it to you You could Mm -hmm. read it, and then you can tell me off air what's going on. Okay, great. That'll be great for everybody. (laughs) I think so. Tell you what, check out our podcast off air where you visit me in person (laughs) and ask us comic book recommendations. Last but not least, Batman Catwoman number four from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Clay Mann. Pete, sounds like you're loving this. You got to explain to me what's going on. I
1: feel like the Pete of this particular book because I'm I'm lost. Okay, first off. Love the Bat and Cat double page spread, title page, mansion, advent calendar thing that just sets up the mood for this creepy, fun world that we're in. Um, and then the starting off with Batwoman beating up Penguin and just like being like, uh, you know, wanting to know where mom and the Joker are. What an interesting start Um Oh, just kind of grabs the reader all the right ways. But Bat and Cat are fighting. You know, uh, Cat's been doing some things without Bat's knowledge. She knew he was going to get mad, but she didn't tell him till last minute. Now Bat's mad. So how are we going to move forward? I also really loved how uh, the penguin is drawn like Danny DeVito. That makes me very happy. Um, yeah, I... What do you want to know? I think it's great. Listening to you talk about it is my experience reading it because
0: I just cannot keep track of the timelines. There's... There's like three different timelines happening at once. Uh, no, and I know that. You got the Mask of the Phantasm timeline. You've right. got the very early Bat Cat stuff going on. Right. And then you've got the future, future. Right. cat stuff where she's killed the Joker and is dealing with it with Penguin and there's their kid who is the new Batman. So I get all that. But there's the transitions between them that just throw me. And I'm sure there's a point to it. Maybe they're doing something about memory and how memories are very fluid and go from one time period to another. Yeah, because
1: it's also like Cat and Bat always have this thing about a disagreement about when they first met. Yes. So I get all that. But you look at a book
0: like Strange Adventures, also from Tom King, where you have... Also confusing. But... Even if it jumps between timelines of the same page, you've got Evan Shaner and Mitch Gerards, So there's a delineation between the timelines. So you're able to follow, okay, here's where we are at any given point. It is disorienting for me to read this book. And I still, and oh, I know or... I'm harping on this, I don't know what the phantasm has to do with this.
1: <laughs> That's going to be the fun. But also, like, it uh, uh, is going to make sense. And I think it's going to be one of those things where it'll be very interesting to get the trade because there could be like, it could make that much more sense reading it all together. Absolutely. And I'm more than willing to follow it until the end. It's just. And you should follow it because it's amazing art and writing and like such a, such a fun, interesting story with these two characters we know and we've heard stories for all time about them. So I fair. trust
0: these creators. So I'm going to follow it until the end. I'm just having a hard time comprehending it as of now. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> And that's it for the stack. If you'd like to support our podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night to crowdcast and YouTube. Sure do. Out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more until next time. We'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. But I'm saying that just to Pete's forehead, not to his ears.